Good morning. Good morning. I know that we just prayed, but I feel convicted to pray one more time before we begin. Let's close our eyes. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for um, this day, um, the day that you have made so that we can um, hear your words, Lord. God, um, I'm just so convicted that uh, we have this expectation that we put on ourselves, that we put on a church when we come, Lord, that we're confused, that when we see brokenness, that we see that we, we recognize it as, as if it's out of place in, this, in a church, Lord. And when uh, the Pharisees said the same thing to Jesus, he said that um, he came for the broken, not for those who, who are already healed, that this place is like a hospital, that we're all gathered together because we are broken and we admit that we're broken and that we need healing and restoration before Christ. So God, uh, we come here to give you worship, not so that we can be entertained. We come here so that we can give you our hearts and our attention, that we give you the tithing of our our day and of our week, Lord, that we start our week with you and we start our day with you, we start our lives with you, God. And Lord, whatever um, ideas that we may have, whatever expectations that we may have of what church should be, Lord, if it is not of you, Lord, I pray that you bring light upon it and that we change our minds, we transform our minds into the way that you want us to, Lord, into your truth, And so that we may um, receive your word into healthy soil and bear fruit um, so that we may be good children that brings you glory. Not because we're righteous, but you have called us righteous. Not because we are worthy, but because you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There was once a man. He was a priest. And his name was Zechariah. And um, he was getting ready for a really big day. You can imagine him. He's kind of like a pastor, like anybody else. He was putting on his suit and his tie. And it was the pinnacle, the peak of his career. You see, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. Not only was he a regular Jewish priest, but he was going to be the high priest that day. And what the high priest does in a Jewish temple was to be the intercessor, be, be the representative of all of the people of Israel and go into the temple and go into the Holy of Holies and stand before the presence of God and confess the people's sins and also um, bring atonement to the people. Bring a message that God has has spoken to Zechariah, and then the priest would tell the people. And so because there were multiple tribes, and within each tribe there were multiple priests, that, that... And when the priests were chosen to go into the Holy of Holies, it was done by a cast, uh, lotting a cast. So it was like a lottery. So usually the priests would go into the Holy of Holies once or twice in their lifetime. 
And usually they were really, really old too. By the time it was like near retirement age, that's when they would go into the Holy of Holies because they had proven themselves through their acts of worship and all of their works in the temple that they were worthy and prepared to place themselves before the presence of a holy God. So Zechariah, have heard of this, studied it his whole life, was preparing to go into the Holy of Holies. He would have put out his garments out. He had four robes. He would have started out wearing this heavy gold-laden robe, and then he would have changed four times throughout that day, throughout the rituals, into different linen garments and robes. He would have had a very specific hat and Um, a vest with jewels on it. He would have had a specific belt. He would have been barefoot with a rope tied around his ankle as he went in. And as he walked inside the temple, he would have smelled all of the incense. He would have seen the bread laid on a plate. He would have seen candles and the smoke filling the room. And that's what Zechariah did. He was preparing to come before the presence of God. But as he came close to the altar of incense, he noticed all of a sudden there was somebody there. He wasn't alone in the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine in a dark room, your senses are already heightened. You are already nervous because the rope around your ankle meant that at any given point you can drop that before a holy God. And so you hear every single ping of a pin drop. You hear your heart racing 200 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you see somebody in that dark room. You can imagine how high Zechariah would have jumped. That other person was an angel An angel came to talk to Zechariah, and he said that he had heard Zechariah's prayers. Zechariah's prayers for the nation, for the people, the prayer that he had prepared for atonement? No. The angel said, God has heard Zechariah's prayer for a child. You see, Zechariah had a wife, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both from the tribe where Aaron was the tri- uh, came from. And so they were both from the tribe of priests. So they had this culture and an inheritance of being priests and having born priests. And then their sons would be priests. But the problem was, even though they had that very elite kind of bloodline, They had no children of their own to pass on their priest's career or job. And so it was a big burden on their family. It was a disgrace. At that time, if you didn't have children, they believed that God was cursing you. There was a curse upon your family. That's why you didn't have children. And so obviously, Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. And so the angel says, we have heard, God has heard your prayer, and he will grant your prayer, and it will come true. And of all the places to have given Zechariah this message, 
It was why in the Holy of Holies, why of all times when he was praying on behalf of the people, what, what message could he bring when he left the temple? Hey guys, God told me I'm having a baby. And so you can imagine Zechariah, he was very old. He replies to the angel saying, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And so the angel says that because of his doubt, because he didn't believe God's message, that even though God would accomplish this because He is God. He would have the baby. But he would not be able to speak of it. That Zechariah would be mute until God's timing. The baby was born, of course. And Zechariah remained mute throughout the whole time. And the the funny thing was, the strange thing is that Zechariah remained mute even after the baby was born. God accomplished what he said he would do. Everybody believed him now that the baby is here. Why was Zechariah still mute? It was a tradition that on the eighth day after the baby is born, the baby would be circumcised and named. And so on the eighth day, they say, what are you going to name the baby? And so Elizabeth says, his name will be John. And the midwives and the neighbors are saying, that doesn't make sense because it's common to name at least your first son after somebody within your family, your ancestors, your forefathers, your grandfather, and you, or you. So why not Zechariah? That was going to be probably their only son, their only child because of their old age. So the midwives were up in a tizzy and telling Elizabeth, that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't do that. And then they go to Zechariah. Even in his muteness, they're trying to insist that Elizabeth is wrong. And so Zechariah asks for something to write. And he writes down, his name is John. And as soon as he writes that and he communicates that, he was able to speak again. He was able to praise God and sing before him. And in the later chapter after that, you can see that he starts to prophesy because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. When that happened, obviously, everybody was super alarmed and excited. How can this happen? All of the midwives, the neighbors, it says that all of Judea was heard of this rumor of what had happened. And it makes sense because he was a high priest. This thing, this event happened nine months ago, but it happened while he was in the Holy of Holies. That means this was something that was not necessarily meant only for Zechariah's family. It would have implications upon the nation of Israel. There is another man. I love saying his name. He's a little, it's really hard to spell it. His name was King Jehoshaphat. And he was a king of Judah. Now this was a time when Israel and Judah were separated. 
There was a civil dispute, and the kings divided the land, and Israel was a northern bigger kingdom, and Judah was the smaller kingdom that had Jerusalem still as its capital. And so um, King Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. So that meant if he was the king of Judah and not Israel, he had less of an army, less influence, and less power. And one day, uh, a messenger comes to him. The messenger tells him that there is an army coming his way. Now the army was made up of the Ammonites and Moabites. See, they saw that Israel had been separated with Judah, and Judah was in such an awesome location. And up to this point, Israel being united had been able to defeat its neighboring countries because of God. And so now that they're separated, it was easier to take over. And so they were coming after Judah. They were coming after Jerusalem. And so King Jehoshaphat makes a decree. Gather everybody. I want to gather my highest counselors. I want to gather my soldiers, all of the men But wait, don't stop there. Gather all of the women and the children too. What is King Jehoshaphat going to do with the women and children? He's going to create some kind of like human barrier? No, what he was not doing was he wasn't trying to prepare for war. What he did was he declared a national day of fasting and prayer, that everything and everybody and even the animals would stop and pray and fast so that God would give them guidance. He wasn't going to blink until God told him what to do. He knew where the priorities were. He knew exactly what he needed to, where he needed to go for help. And God answers his prayer. God honors him because Jehoshaphat put God first. God answers him and says, Jehoshaphat, I know this army is coming. I have a plan. I need you to go and look. Go to the desert of Jeruel because that's where they'll be. And go and look at them. What? Not go fight them. Not go throw torches at them, not make a loud noise, nothing, none of that. Just go look at them. And God says, this battle is not yours. It is mine. I will defeat them. You don't have to lift a single finger. And so Jehoshaphat moves. The first thing that he does is he appoints men to sing. He assembles a choir. You're an alto, you're a soprano, you're a baritone. Come on, we're going into battle. It's the most randomest thing. But that's what he does. He would have been in a chariot in the beginning of the procession because he's a king and everybody followed behind him. And before him, the choir, the men that he had appointed to sing, went before him. crying out. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Give thanks. They're going out in battle. You can imagine the murmuring and the confusion that the people would have been thinking behind Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine? You can probably feel the fear and the tension. All of the eyes staring at the back of his head. But he doesn't change his course. He goes. The men keep crying out. And King Jehoshaphat follows. The people follow. The men and women follow. And when they get to the desert of Jeruel, they see that every single man had been killed. See, what happened was that God made the Ammonites and the Moabites fight and scheme against each other. And because of that, something happened. They started to kill each other. And so after all of the army was destroyed by each other's hatred and argument, that's when the Israelites came and saw them and looked upon them. They saw what God had done. And all they had to do was go picking at the treasures that were left behind. They went looting all of their armor and their chariots and horses. And they came back after shopping, declaring joy that God had protected them. The whole nation of Judah was so happy knowing that God had heard their cry, that God had heard their prayer, and that that fasting and praying and prioritizing God first was the reason why that they were alive. But not only that, the neighboring kingdoms heard of what had happened to the great army of the Ammonites and the Moabites, and that that tiny little country of Judah had been victorious over a battle that they didn't even fight. They learned that God was with them. And so while King Jehoshaphat was alive, there was peace over the king. kingdom of Judah. Last story. Third man. His name was Peter. Peter was an apostle of Christ. He had been a disciple while Jesus was still on earth, and for three years, Peter followed Jesus. He learned everything that he was to. He saw Christ serve the needy. He saw Christ die on the cross. He heard all the lessons, all the parables, and he knew that God, that Jesus was resurrected, and that was a way that we could be restored to God through Jesus. So he goes from place to place, creating church after church, declaring this gospel and this news. But there was a limitation. He kept to a very certain area. He kept to a very certain people group. He declared the gospel, but he had a preference of where he went to and who he spoke to. The night before, he had a dream. God laid out a giant sheet before him, and on that sheet were various animals. There were reptiles, There were birds. There were four-footed animals. 
And God said in a voice, Peter, kill it and eat it. Now, the killing and eating part is not the part that startled Peter because he wasn't vegan. But the part that startled him was that he was a very devout Jew. He had a very strict dietary need or law that he followed because the Jewish culture was there were certain animals, certain fish, certain um, creatures that God had told them that that you were allowed to eat this and you would be clean. And if you ate anything else outside of that, that would make you unclean before a holy God. But now God was telling him something different. This was something that he had practiced his whole life. His whole culture, his, his father, his forefather, his, his grandfather, his great-grandfathers, all of his nation and brother and cousins were practicing this. Why was God asking him to become unclean? And God says, don't declare something unclean what I have made clean. He didn't quite understand what that dream meant. He woke up and he was thinking about it. He was just pondering it. And then all of a sudden, three messengers came to him and said, Peter, Peter, we need you to come follow us. Peter goes, what do you mean? Where where do you want me to follow you? And the three men say, we're from a centurion. His name is Cornelius. He desperately needs you to come and speak to him. And so Peter follows the three men. And he realizes as he goes that when he gets to the house, it's not just him and Cornelius. It's him and Cornelius and the rest of the neighborhood. Cornelius had gathered his family, his children, his wife, his household slaves, servants, his neighborhood. All of those people had gathered in his house and they had been devoutly praying to God, wanting to worship this God that they didn't quite understand. But they couldn't, they needed more explanation. They needed more of, to know who this God was. Because you see, Cornelius was a Gentile. A Gentile meaning anybody else that was not a Jew. Cornelius was somebody outside of the Jewish culture. So he didn't get all of those cultural references that probably the apostles were talking about. And also, where they were living at the time in in Sisera, I'm sorry, I can't say it correctly. But at the time, there was a huge amount of struggle between the Gentiles and the Jews. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of dissension between the two groups. So it would have been really difficult for Cornelius to ask another Jew, please explain this to me. Who is your God? Why do you worship him this way? Because there was already this tension between the two cultures. But when they heard about Peter, I think Cornelius saw hope and called him. So Peter realized what that dream meant. See, those unclean animals, those unclean things that the Jewish people had, or he himself, had been biased towards, God was saying, 
that he had made them clean. That the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news of restoration to God was not meant and to be limited to only the Jews, which Peter was doing, unfortunately. So Peter says what he's been saying those many years. He starts declaring the gospel, who Jesus is, and that you have to accept Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God, and what he has done. And as he is speaking, the people, something wonderful happens. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and they started to speak in tongues. They started to praise God. And Peter and the disciples who came with Peter, the Jewish disciples that were Peter's entourage, were so surprised. How can this happen? Surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. So they even baptized them. They all came to know Christ. Now why am I telling you these three stories? These three men, these three stories have a lot of things in common. These men were invited by God. God revealed and initiated something in their lives. God told them that what he was going to do. In Zechariah, God said that he was going to use his son to prepare a way for the coming Messiah. And for Jehoshaphat, he told them that that he was going to be the one who defeats the army, that the battle and authority and power belongs to God. And that in Peter, he revealed that there is no one that cannot come to Christ if they believe. There is no longer any division, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. But God set a task before them, and they had to obey. See, God had his part. He wanted to, he was doing something, but, and he invited the people to be a part of what he was doing. And these three men, they had to do their part. They had to respond in obedience. God does the same thing with us. See, the task itself, the act that they had to do, was not necessarily very difficult. Zechariah, all he had to do was write out, his name is John. And as soon as he wrote that, he was able to speak again. He was able to prophesy. He was able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and praise God. And Jehoshaphat, All he had to do was get some men to sing and start walking out towards the desert. And for Peter, all he had to do was go to Cornelius' house and say what he knew, the gospel of Christ. See, those acts in itself were not very difficult for these men. because it was something that they already know how to do, and it was very clear. And God gives us tasks and acts to obey in response to his invitation so that he can work through us. 
But the meaning behind those acts are very heavy, aren't they? It's very difficult. Because for Zechariah to write that out, it meant that he had to declare that he was wrong, that he had doubt. He was admitting to everyone what had happened. For Jehoshaphat, it meant that he could have died. And not only himself, he could have killed his whole parade of people. And for Peter, it meant that he had to go against everything that he had been currently doing. He was a key apostle that everybody was looking at. That meant that he was doing something wrong. And... If this wasn't correct, his culture would put, turn their backs on him. He would lose credibility. But when they obeyed, when they obeyed, God worked amazingly through them. It was only through that obedience that God was able to accomplish what he had been planning, what he was doing already. And all the things that they had known about God just was heightened to another level. If we had asked Peter, what do you know about God? God is the one who sends Messiah. God is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. God is the one who leads me. God is the one who resurrects Jesus from the dead. But then what would he have admitted afterwards? His intimate knowledge of God would have changed, right? He would have added something new. He would have said, God is a God who loves everyone, Jew or Gentile, young or old, men or women. It didn't matter who was there in that house. Everybody got the Holy Spirit, circumcised or not. What would Jehoshaphat would have said? I know a God who gives us his decrees. I know a God who we have to prioritize. He is a God who needs to be acknowledged first before we make a decision. Yes, he had a very good faith. But what would he have said afterwards, his obedience? He is a God who can keep all of us safe. He is a God who has authority and power all life on earth. Right? See, through our obedience, our knowledge, our understanding of God becomes deeper. It becomes better. It becomes more. And not only does he reveal himself to the person who was obedient, he reveals himself to those around who had obeyed. In Zechariah's case, Elizabeth was changed. His neighbors were changed. The midwives declared, what's going on? All the Judeans knew that there was a special child coming. And John had a plan in God's work, was a part of God's work. And all of the Judeans, um, the Israelites who followed Jehoshaphat out, They were shouting for joy, knowing that God had heard their prayers. But not only that, the neighboring kingdoms who didn't even worship God admitted that there was a God, 
a God that had chosen the people of Israel, right? That's the reason why they had peace. And for the household of Cornelius and all of their neighbors, and especially those disciples that followed Peter into that house, they knew that God was willing to pour out his spirit to those who came to him. See, when we obey, at least it leaves a lasting impression in our lives. We remember what he has done. But it also leaves a lasting impression to those who witness our obedience. When it is the most difficult time for us to obey, that is the time when we have to declare what he has told us the most. Hold on to the commandment and the promises that he has given us the most. I want to invite um, the worship team up. And I want us to sing um, an old hymn that's called Trust and Obey. And the lyrics go like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. See, the thing about obedience is an opportunity. It's a chance for us to see God's glory. When we know about him, we're able to believe him. And when we believe him, we're able to trust him. And when we trust him, we can respond in obedience. And when we obey He reveals himself to us and then we know him even deeper and on and on and on until we become so intimate with him. That's what he wants. What is the task that God has set before you? It may not be a difficult thing for other people to hear. Oh, God just asked me to do such and such. And And for your sister or your brother, or your mom and dad, or your friends, like, that's no big deal, just do it. But what does it mean to you? Does it mean that it's the loss of your credibility or your, to your friends and to your family? Are you risking your reputation? I'm pretty sure nowadays he doesn't ask you to risk your life like Jehoshaphat. and the life of your friends and family. Who knows? But definitely you're placed in a vulnerable place, right? Before you act on it, you have to be vulnerable before God. But God has promised that he does not give us a task that we cannot do through him. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you invite us to be a part of your work, God. You don't have to invite any one of us. You can make the rocks cry out your praise. You can wipe out all of humankind and just recreate a new new earth. But yet, you call out to us. You invite us to your work so that we can know who you are, so that we can testify of what you have done 
and so that we can have a deeper faith in you. God, it is so, so difficult, Lord, to take that one step, to say that one thing, to do that one thing that you have set before us. It is almost like life and death. But God, I know that you give us your Holy Spirit. And through your guidance, when we obey, we will be able to see you and see your glory. Lord, be with us. Give us the strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.